It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, it's Sunday right now. That means uh, it's the Hollywood and Mike show. Welcome, everybody, over on the radio. We have a special guest, and it's Dr. Harley, man. I wonder what kind of doctor he is. Does he like it up the exhaust pipe or what? We got to ask him that. But uh, anyway, today we're going to be talking about what is Harley Davidson's future, baby? I don't know, man. That sports duress, it ain't looking good right now. It's not bringing people to the table for Harley Davidson. And we're going to find out why, man. Why is this happening to Harley Davidson right now? I don't know, man. I'm a fan. I'm hoping that uh, they do better. But what manufacturers out there are having any luck with these damn Generation Z riders uh, and millennials, I have to say, you know, Guys like Mike, okay? Don't be like Mike. Don't do it. His generation is a bunch of weirdos. I'm just trying to tell you here, man. Look at him. He's got one leg and stuff. I bet you know what? He's like Luke Skywalker, but backwards. But backwards, okay? Uh, you know what, though? This technology that's coming up that they're putting on all kinds of cars and stuff, I wonder if it's going to be like uh, legs and stuff. They're going to make his leg look like it's real or something. I tell you what, man, getting back into the car industry and, you know, in the repair industry is like, you kidding me? I had to go change a battery in a BMW. It was in the freaking trunk under a bunch of garbage. I was like, you know what? This sucks. And I just can imagine that going on with motorcycles in the future hell look at that yamaha that they caught coming out it looks like a tron bike for jesus christ i don't get it man i guess i'm old it's the birthday today 50 years old china doll took care of hollywood a bunch of surprises came out didn't think it would happen but it did let's bring in mike ball right now my co-host here he is Yes, the one legged uh, freaking Mikey man. What's up, man? Here we go. Happy 5 0. Oh, Let's my go. goodness gracious, man. I, I'm a half a century years old. Where the hell did it go? You better be careful, man. Yeah, man. I'm half of you, essentially. So, isn't that weird? So, we're going to find out the, the difference of opinions in these motorcycles. It's definitely going to be interesting, you know, because you got your generation of boomers and stuff like that. And then you got me, you know. I don't so think he knows what the hell is a boomer, man. You know, I'm Generation X there, buddy. Well, but, you're definitely oh. getting up there. So, anyways, um, yeah. so well, you're, you're we're gonna we're gonna see how this works out because it's gonna be fun. Because you mentioned the Sports RS, and I actually had my own opinions when that came out. So it's gonna be interesting seeing how our opinions line up on this. Well, it's gonna be interesting because hopefully somebody from Harley Davidson is gonna be watching and takes notes to, you know what? I truly believe that, yes, they got a balancing act that they got to do to bring in the new riders, but they can't forget their core base is what I'm right. saying here. 
No, absolutely. You can't forget the people that that made you in the motorsport, you know, company itself. Like, were who was the ones that kept you alive when when you were dying, a dying breed? You know, right. uh, don't forget who kept you alive, kept you here, and uh, that's always lost in translation. It's always lost. You're damn right, man. But uh, we got the man. We got the legend. But I do want to say uh, thanks to China Doll. It was a real kick-ass birthday. Uh, she was a little freaking uh, mischievous and stuff like that. Took care of it all. Uh, got some friends involved that I didn't know. And uh, she rocks and rolls. Oh, She'll tell you more about that tomorrow. But let's bring in Dr. Harley. What a man to talk about this subject on. Uh, what's up, Dr. Harley? What's Hollywood, up? Mike Ball, good evening. Hollywood, happy birthday, man. Welcome to the 50s club. That's oh, right. I don't your ARP card, your ARP card is on the in the mail. It's headed to your, your way right now to your house. You're officially an old bastard like me. You no get discounts shit. and everything. Yep. I'm telling you, man, that sucks. I want to be out of this 50 club already. I don't like it. They should give you discounts at, you know, Harley Davidson, you know, but apparently those are the only, you know, guys buying those new motorcycles anymore is those, you know, really old guys. So, well, you know what? I, you know what? I think I have to agree with them, Dr. Harley, is that our age group are, uh, let's say, you know, 40s and up that are buying these bikes. That's the core, that is their core customer at the dealerships. And, um, you know, I'm going to put this right out there up front. We are not Harley-Davidson corporate's customer. No, that's right. The dealerships are their customer, and we are the dealership's customer. Harley needs to go back to regional reps to find out what's happening at the dealerships and report back. Very damn well said right there. By the way, I will have China Doll in here later on uh, to give uh, a lady's uh, perspective on Harley Davidson, but she's out doing something right now, but she'll be in here. I'll have her here in the second half of the show. What do you think about that, Mike? I think that's a huge freaking point right there when it comes to Harley is the company needs to start going back to regional representation to know what's going on with their product. Well, yeah, I mean, it's all kind of privatized now, right? You know, you've got like these own dealerships that like run off of, yes, they have to have a certain core whatever of minimums, but they kind of run on their own accord. As far as I've seen, I listen, I'm not like someone that knows the dealership side of everything because I'm going to be honest, I am that generation where we're looking on like, the, you know, it used to be Craigslist, but now it's like Facebook Marketplace. It's like uh, the offer ups. That's where a lot of my generation is looking to buy their motorcycles. They're not looking to buy brand new anymore. They're looking to buy these new or uh, used bikes. And that's, that's what is appealing to us and what is actually in our price range in the first place. Mm -hmm. Very well said, man. Very well said right there. And I think with your generation, it's more of, the pocketbook and the reliability than it is a lifestyle. That too. That too. It, it definitely can be that way too. It necessarily wasn't that way for me, but objectively speaking, absolutely. Yes. What do you think, uh, Harley, uh, that it's more about a transportation thing than it is a lifestyle. And that's where Harley Davidson overextended itself, where it just backed itself into a corner. Literally, well, 
you about know, trying to support one angle. Yeah, well, you know, the, the Harley Davidson lifestyle is always going to be there one way or another, whether it's, you know, done at the dealership or done in by the individual rider, uh, you know, because every, someone buys a Harley, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to buy everything in leather and throw that on. And, you know, because that's the image they got from Easy Rider and all the other shows. It's up Pro Monkey. Um, but as far as reliability, Harley's over the years, I would say since 2007 to current, the reliability has gone way up. I mean, the AMF years, which were the nightmare, nightmare years where the reliability is you could rely on to, you know, mark their territory by with oil. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. what do you think about what Professional Monkey just said? He bought an 11-year-old Dyna. A dealer wasn't an option. Nothing that old out there and prices are way too high. And I'm going to kill Mikey's freaking finger covering us up all the time. But yeah, he's, he's well, you know, he, he's right. The, the prices are up there because, you know, Harley is giving top dollar. Well, the dealerships are giving top dollar on trade-in to move that new piece of bike, that new equipment. Um, case in point, I traded in a, a 2019 Roguelide with 15,000 miles on it. Uh, it was three years old for a brand new CVO, and they gave me 28 grand on trade. So it cost wow. me $1,000 to own that, that Roguelide. For three years and with 15,000 miles on it. So, mm -hmm. of course, that sold. The dealer had to sell it for, you know, 31,000 for a three-year-old bike. But what do you think about the point, what he said? Because I know what he's talking about. Uh, now they won't even touch a bike in a dealership that's 11 year or 10 years old. The work on it is what I'm talking about. Okay. It's kind of like it's, oh, let's rush to sell it. But, hey, we're not going to work on it on you. I Very think true. there's... Is this because that they're doing what the CEO said, where they're going to function on higher pricing uh, bikes like the CVO line, or are they just trying to forget the people that they tried to build? Well, the issue is, and it goes right down to training, uh, you know, when someone goes to MMI, they mm -hmm. have their basic course, and then you go into your brand-specific course. And once you graduate that, then you get into the performance and legacy repair, which would be your twin camps and your, your Evos. And most of the students don't pay that extra cost or spend that extra time in school. They just want to get out in the field and work. So the only experience and education they have is on the current models. Right. right. That's what they're taught right from the beginning. And, you know, my old, when I went to school, it was you learned the legacy before you learned the new stuff. Well, that's, Man, that's a, a good, point. good point right there. Mm -hmm. so yeah, because if you bring in an Evo motor to a dealership to have them work on it, they don't know what they're doing or even right. twin cams now. Oh, you're damn right on that, man. And Evo, they won't even go near it with a 10-foot pole, and that's unfortunate right there. But at the same time, that does help people who are true. I always believed you had to be able to work on your own bike. But I guess that type of thinking isn't around anymore. And that's oh, unfortunate. That part is true. That part I, is also true. I like it when people don't work on their own bikes because it puts some pocket change in my pocket. Because mm -hmm. I work on their bike. Yep. You're the but guy what, that does it. But what does that say? 
where a person can't work on their own bike, say they're out in the middle of a cornfield or something, and they got to rely on somebody else to work on that motorcycle. It, it it just rubs me wrong. Yeah, well, you know, you and I are the old school days. We used to go out and set our points and stuff and carry points in a condenser and a screwdriver with us. Do you, know what a, do you even know what a point is, Mike? No, and that's why I, these things I love. <laughs> I know it's this point, I right? Made my it's, one case. Of these, it's one of these points, right? Is it one of those? I made my case. So see, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the, there are certain things that I can do, but there's a lot of things that I can't do. And that's the truth, you know? And there's a lot of stuff that I haven't been taught necessarily all the way through yet either. You know, I'm, I'm always, and like I told Dr. Harley, I'm always willing to learn when something new is being taught to me when I'm wrenching on something, but I, I don't love working on my bike like other people do. You know, I just don't love it that way. Well, I think that's a good point right there, Dr. Harley. Now you're starting to see the generational differences where his generation, Mike's, does not like tinkering around with stuff. And we were kind of joking around before we came on about our, you know, the Lockheed generation as Generation X. I think we were more self-reliant than the new generation was, like the Zs and the Millennials. Because we had to learn this type of stuff. And now it's like, okay, take my uh, Apple uh, Pay or my uh, Google Pay and you just fix it. Right. Yep. I'll cash up you a hundred bucks. You know, you do it for me, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's there's guys who ride today and no disrespect to them at all, but they don't know the difference between a flathead and a Phillips screwdriver. Yep. It's true. Very true. Very true. I know China doll talks to me all the time at her work. They actually throw the change at her because they don't know how to count their change. Wow. They just like, just boom here, you figure it out and you let me know how much extra it is. You know, that's but crazy. We're, we're sitting here picking on generation Z, but aren't we at a dif- disadvantage, uh, Dr. Harley, because they're more into the electronics than we we're like, what the hell is this? Well, I, I, I taught myself to keep up with the technology on the motorcycles, you know? Yep. So, I mean, I'm not at a disadvantage. I got my own uh, digital tech that I use where I could, you know, enable and disable features within the bikes and program the TPMS, the tire pressure monitoring system, program the key fobs if someone loses a key fob they buy a new one i could program it for them so they don't have to go to the dealership and pay that 130 150 an hour one hour minimum fee Mm -hmm. you know yeah that's ridiculous but what about more of our generation where we were used to working on the mechanical side and they're at a disadvantage i'm at a disadvantage when it comes to the electrical crap because, you know, just what last year I finally got a damn bike that had a radio on it. Before then, it was like, yeah, I don't need no damn radios. And that's just too much headache for me right there. Yep, but now, that's me too. I have no none of that equipment either, you know. But now when you throw in that kind of technology, I'm like, yeah, right. You know, what, wait a second here. So yeah, it's I, well, complicated. I just can't on the the generation z's or the millennials as well well all all brand manufacturers doesn't matter harley 
motorcycle or car, they all want their customers to bring their vehicles back to the dealerships. They really don't want the mom and pop shop working on them. Uh, they try and give you incentives saying, well, if you have us do all your services, uh, like for instance, my wife has a Mazda. You know, she brings it there. They warranty the powertrain for life for as long as she owns the car. And then they right. do all the services. Um, and the cost difference, it really isn't much of a cost difference to have them do the service or she goes someplace else. I could do it, but I'm just too busy in the garage to even worry about, you know, taking care of our cars. Mm -hmm. Now, you said something uh, very interesting right there. He did, Mike, about he's it, it's a mechanics thing man they usually don't want to work on their own stuff <laughs> they'll work on others but they're not their own yeah absolutely but, mm -hmm. but generation x and z i doubt they even know what a inside of garage looks like or what a wrench is and where did that come from where you don't want to work on your own stuff mm. I don't know where it comes from. If it's just like a lack of just interest altogether in the mechanic aspect, or if it's, uh, you know, a dying breed kind of thing. I, I don't really know if, if we have been taught too many, like everything is done for us. Like we're too used to a, a service based everything. Like in our lives, you got to think what we pay for mainly is services. So you know, having someone do something for you, like mechanically, for instance, that's going to do, you know, though you're paying for a service, you're not getting the experience granted. Right. So I think we're just a two service oriented people nowadays, rather than how it was with you guys, where you guys were like forced to like have to figure it out. It was like, you figure it out or you're shit out of luck, you know? Well, that's very well said right there. And, you know, what is Harley Davidson's future? And I think I know where they're going. And it's going to people like uh, China Doll. You got to get her up here, man. I got okay. her in. Let's, let's go ahead and get everyone there. in here. Boom. There it is. We got China Doll in there. Uh, she did an awesome day on the birthday today. She really did. She surprised the shit out of me. But uh, I think that's where Harley Davidson is going is towards women and they're reaching out to different aspects of a uh, culture that really wasn't there 30 years ago. Is that towards me? Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you have to you have to admit that when you first came in with me in the 90s. Yeah. We never saw women on a motorcycle. Never. The women always were on the back. But always. now, now you're seeing Harley Davidson actually advertise towards women. Yes. I mean, if you go, even if you go into the dealership, you go into the side where they have like the clothing. There's more women's clothing in there than there are men's. There's and a what, reason for that. There's a reason for that. You got to target the women to get the men in there to buy the bike. Well, not only that, but you got 80% of, of the all of America's uh, purchasing rate is done by women. So that's actually the reason why. So they they exactly what you called it. It's sucker them in just like that. Get the guys in. All of a sudden people are buying bikes. Yes. What do you think about that, Dr. Harley? You think it's true that they're targeting more women and minorities than ever 
ever before during the time we were coming up. Well, they're, they're targeting the women because it's an untapped resource for them to, to tap into to create a, more revenues and sales, whether it's in motor clothes, motorcycles and service. And believe it or not, I know some women that wrench on their own bikes. So, you know, they're buying parts and, you know, you know, I, I, I've always said it good for them. I mean, there should not be a gender equality anywhere as far as, you know, anything, you know, I, if, if a woman could, you know, hang out and work on her own bike or, you know, go to combat. I've served with women in combat and as they did their job just as well as a man. So I have no problem with it. I think it's an untapped resource that all the manufacturers should start tapping into. Mm. What do you think about that China Dow? how they're starting to advertise more to women, trying to get them through the motorcycle classes. And by the way, you know, Harley can probably, uh, say the same thing. I remember when there was none of these classes, it was just get on the damn bike and ride. Mm -hmm. And it has become, I think a good thing, uh, for Harley Davidson to start throwing these classes. But what do you think about how they're outreaching to women now? Well, I've noticed one tradition is every time I've walked into a Harley dealership with you, they will approach me before you. Because usually when we walk in there and we do this on purpose, we go separate ways and I'll get bombarded by the by by the sales people faster than he will because they think women are ignorant. You think that's what it is, uh, Harley, is they're thinking that it's an easy target is it kind of like car dealers are doing. No, no, I it, I think they're geared towards more of tapping into that resource of women wanting to ride their own motorcycle, and not be on the back anymore. And I, and I think that's a great idea. I mean, because now instead of having one motorcycle per house, now you have two. What do you think, Mike? That too. I mean, it could be like that, but I definitely right think back. that it's definitely, in my opinion, I think it's more of a, of a, they think that they're ignorant. You know, I definitely think it's more of that, you know, speed for sure. You know, I, I think that they look at women as in like, oh, these, they, they won't know or they won't know about this or they won't know the price point of this. So, you know, that's the one thing that kind of actually pisses me off is it makes me feel like that they are targeting them in a, in a bad way rather than uh, going genuinely, hey, you actually want to get on a motorcycle. Let's actually get you on one rather than finessing you. You know, and that's how um, I look at it is, is the motor company sport or the, the, the company itself is trying to finesse. That's how I see it. But well, that's just Dr. my take. Uh, Dr. Harley's had enough of the show, I guess. Yeah, he uh, was like, he's like, hey, man, I need I need a second. No, he needed a second. <laughs> sure, you need, need to recollect. You know? Well, what's funny well, is it's just things that I notice when I walk into the Harley dealership, mm -hmm. they go straight for the women. And it's not just me and Hollywood going in there. I've seen other couples that walk in there and they kind of do their own thing. The women go towards bikes that they find interesting. The men go towards bikes. They like to look at, and it's the same thing. The salesperson is going to go just like at a dealership. They're going to go straight up to the woman first. Right. Well, do you think it's a good idea? Harley Davidson, throwing a lot of its energy into this woke stuff uh if you want to call it that or they're throwing their money into a category that's just a minute 
Yeah, it, it, they thought of it as like a majority, like, oh, there's more people on this side. So let's we'll get more people like that. But realistically, those that's not their even their audience. That's not their that's not the people that even want to ride their stuff anyways. They're they're catering to the wrong people. So to me, it's a waste of money. You know, right. like you're you're literally wasting your time. And now you're actually stamp, stomping on top of the people that did support you for what who and what you are, and maybe even politically. Well, if you look at it, China Dow, yes, Harley Davidson. It's an it, it's a point to argue if they're having success with women, but I do know other manufacturers like Honda, Yamaha, Kawasaki. They're having great success with getting younger girls. Oh yeah, into the sport because if you look at some how some of these uh girls are getting into the crotch rockets as we call them i don't know what mike's generation calls yep, them. same thing rice burners rice yep. burners. <laughs> they're actually getting them into these bikes and is it because it's a different scene than what the harley scene is it's a big time different scene and the way the women look and the way they sell the attire to go with them on those crotch rockets like katanas yeah, a, a woman. I'm sorry, but and this is from a woman's point of view. I think a woman bent over on a katana is pretty hot because yep. all you see when you're behind her is ass. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, she has a good point there, Doctor Harley. Do you think that Harley's missing the boat on the woman customer? Because Kawasaki, Honda, like usual, the other manufacturers beat them to it. And they're more inclined to jump on a rice rocket than they are a Harley. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a a cultural thing. It all depends on what's around them and what they've seen growing up. I mean, I know female riders that love their, their Hondas, Yamaha, Suzuki's, Kawasaki's, whether they're cruisers or tours, because that's what, their parents had or that's what their husband or boyfriend had so that's why they went that way and then the same thing goes for the woman on harley i mean that's what their husband had or their dad had and they enjoyed it so that's why they went to harley davidson uh, yeah no. a lot of them start yeah. off on the smaller japanese bikes and then work the way up to a harley now like china dial just said and it was very interesting because she brought it up it's usually <laughs> me that brings that stuff up but they sell all the apparel to that, you know, I'll call it that uh, subculture of the motorcycling community where they're more safety conscious than we are. Come on. We just did what we did. We're the guys, uh, Generation X that never wore helmets on bicycles. Okay. Yeah. It drives me crazy seeing that today. It's like, oh, don't hurt yourself. Oh, my God. Really? Anyway. Well, uh, well you see the women because I've seen numerous of them pull up at a gas pump and they're on their katanas or whatever and they get off and they got that skin tight leather pants and the yes. skin tight jacket and the helmet and the whole shebang and they look beautiful these women on these they bikes do. they, they do. look beautiful and they're they on. get off these bikes and they're like you every it's an eye turner but yeah. then i see a woman jump off a harley and not as many heads turn because they're just in jeans and maybe well, a jacket, you well, know, but well, it's like they get off the, they get off them katanas 
heads turn. Well, the women I see riding on katanas and on all those other bikes over here on the East Coast, they're wearing yoga pants. There you go. Yeah. And sad. I'm sitting there going, that's the wrong pants to wear because if you go down, right. it's they're gonna it's, feel everything. It, they you might as well not be wearing anything at all. You're gonna be shredded. What can Harley do, uh, Dr. Harley, to try to bring some of them girls over to the dark side, if you will? <laughs> the dark well, side. Well, why don't you try this? Dr. Harley, I'm walking into your dealership. How would you sell me a bike? I would ask you, what are you looking for? Is there anything I can help you? You know, <laughs> what, what brings you in today? <laughs> okay, let's play this out. Let's play it out seriously. <laughs> oh, here. now here it goes. I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, how would you, how would, what would be the best way for them to approach the women, whether they know anything about bikes or not? Well, the best way to approach a woman is the way you approach a man. Hey, welcome. What brings you in today? I'm looking for a bike. Oh, excellent. What, what what kind? Do you have an idea what you're looking for? I have no idea, but I'm very small and um, can't really hold up a lot of weight. So, okay. what would you how, suggest? How long have you been riding, or does this be your first motorcycle? This will be the first one. Okay, so we're going to start looking at different bikes that are smaller for you and a little bit easier for you. Things like you know an older Sportster or a soft tail, something that's light and nimble and easy for you to ride. I want something fancy. Well. <laughs> Then we'll start looking at the soft tails that, you know, you can have, you know, the spoke wheels or the mag wheels, or you could, you know, accessorize it any way you want with soft bags or hard bags. But first, you know what? I, I really talk about accessorizing it. I really wish that salesmen would approach people like you just did. And yeah, to be honest, real. they don't. <laughs> A lot they around don't. here don't. Uh, but no, they don't I, here either. I really like how he just uh, went through that scenario you, right there. You sure you don't work in a dealership, dude? 100% positive. I don't work for a dealership. Because let me tell you, you'd catch somebody's attention the way you just approached that. Yeah. Yeah, it was if, a good one right there. If other if other places would, it's, would approach women riders the way you just did, I think they'd sell more bikes. Probably. Yeah, well, you know, it, that, it comes down to training. And this do you you think a lot in the industry, uh, especially, and we'll get back to Harley Davidson having to be able to attract this uh, segment of the population. Do you think it's lack of training in most of these dealerships? Because God forbid, uh, say you pulled one of these salesmen or one of these mechanics out of a dealership now and put them back in 1994, they're had to be spinning. Yeah, they wouldn't know what to do. They would not know what to do back in 1994 when the 94 FX STS was out, which would be the Springer Softail. The mechanics would not know what to do with that Springer front end, how to inspect it, how to adjust it, how to do anything with it. And that's just the front end. Jeez. What do you think, Mike, if we were to drag you at your age now to 1994 and put an evolution in front of you? Oh, I'd be fucked. I'd be fucked, especially, especially when it comes to an Evo, you know, um, I got to admit when it comes to Evos, I got an Evo specialist right down the street. So that's, he's a good brother of mine. So that's who I would be going to personally. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But uh, no, if I if I had to go back to '94, let's just say, and I'm this age, nah, I'd be screwed. I'd be on. I'd be off to the side doing one of these, like, all right, hitchhiking. Why do, you, why, do you, why do you think that's the case? Do you do? Does your generation not have the confidence? No, I, I definitely have the confidence. Uh, it's probably just the lack of garage time, really. Like, there's a lack of garage time because a lot of these bikes that that we are buying now, they're kind of turnkey, right? And there's not a lot of major upkeep unless you've got like these baskets, you know, that you guys are creating, then sure. But if it's not a basket case, then a lot of these bikes, they kind of just run on their own. And if you just do its own little fuel, you know, you, you fuel it up and you do its normal oil change, you'll be fine. You know, there's not, there's not like these bikes aren't doing like as much problems as probably your, your guys' era where you guys are breaking down every five freaking blocks trying to repair your stuff. Well, that was true, Dr. Holly, but what DDK just put up from Tennessee the Evo saved the motor company because was, you are correct. I was that, gonna, I was going to just say that that mo- because, that was the motor that saved Harley Davidson because it was like Mike said. You know, you got on an iron head or a shovel head, you were broke out. You had to have a toolkit on you at all damn times. Yep. Uh, where the Evo, damn man, that bike you to take uh, the engine off on the side of the road. That's how easy that bike is to work on, yep. but. It was bulletproof. Yes. Yes, it was. And uh, I took my 90, my 93 soft tail in 2010 from Connecticut to Sturgis and back. And I didn't have one problem with it. But, you know, Mike, going back to, you know, putting gas in and doing your scheduled oil changes, more than that. I mean, there's scheduled services there for a reason. Well, the obvious that too. To, that's what I mean. Know, neck bearings, belt adjustments or chain if you're a chain drive. Uh, you know, just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, steering neck bearings, wheel bearings, all that have to be inspected at a regular basis. And if you don't, you're just creating a problem for yourself that shouldn't be there. Well, one thing I did like uh, and do like about China Dow, and she can talk more about this, is she actually was never afraid to jump in there, work on a car or, you know, help work out on a bike. And what I, uh, that is an awesome thing that you were into. You were never afraid to get your hands dirty. But what's even cooler is nowadays you see a lot more females actually out there working on cars. You know, I just went to a different shop and it was, it's a whole different deal where it's newer based where I'm at now compared to where I was, where it was the older stuff is the only things we really worked on. Didn't get around any technology stuff, but now it's like, damn, man, we got females working out there as techs. And there, I truly believe the younger female now is more tech savvy than say China dolls generation. Well, you know, 
I'm going to say that goes, it's history always repeats itself. Now, if you go back during World War II, where the factories were all nothing but women because all the men went off to war, they learned how to do it. They worked in the factories. They did everything. And then when the war was over, some most of the women went back to the house and the men went back to work. So history is replaying itself. Now, the women are getting out into the workforce, not just into the you know secretarial, which is stereotypical job for women, but they're getting out there and they are some phenomenal welders. You oh, know, I agree. I mean, I'm going to pay homage to Jesse Combs. May she rest in peace. Phenomenal oh, yeah. mechanic, phenomenal welder, phenomenal builder, and phenomenal racer. She had the whole package, you know. Uh, and there's a lot of women out there like that. And I applaud them for doing what they want to do. My wife comes out in the garage with me and wants to learn how to do things. And I teach her. You know, well, she's not ready to get grease under her fingernails. What do you think about that, China? How are you now looking at a different generation who actually wants to do that type of stuff that are making careers out of being a mechanic, a technician that are getting in the working on motorcycles, getting in the working on cars. That should be a proud moment for a, a lot of women right there to see that kind of stuff, because now it's like, okay, we're standing on our own two feet. We're not just this uh, woman that's put on an apron and in the kitchen. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with when you're going through school. And I think a lot of more schools, when girls want to go in and say they want to go into the auto shop during high school, they should be not turning them away from it and trying to get them. Well, maybe you should go into like the baking class or go be a beautician. No, if they want to do automotive, let them do it because you know what? They're going to turn out to be something more than what some of these kids are even doing now. There are some of these techs, like you just said, Harley, uh, that are women are better than any guy I know with a wrench. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's because the way women problem solve and how they organize things in their head make them better than men. Because, you know, I'm going to say it. Men are like switchblades. We're good for one thing at one time. Women are like Swiss Army knives. They're good for everything at once. Man, I totally agree with that one, Mike. What do you think? No, I, I can't. I can't disagree with it. There's, there's definitely not, not anything I can disagree with there. They, they're, they're phenomenal mechanics as well. You know, there's, it, as long as you can do the job, you can do the job, and that's, that's fact. You know, and kind of like what China Doll was saying, if, if they want to do automotive, like when they're like going through schooling and stuff, instead of like the teachers or other people, counselors or whatever, going, oh, maybe you should be doing this. It's true. Allow them to do exactly what the hell they want to do. If they pick automotive, they picked it for a freaking reason. Yeah. And that's the big thing nowadays. Like if I had the opportunity when I was in high school to do auto, like auto shop, I probably would have picked it. But you right. know what? They don't give, they, they, the option was there. The problem is, is when you go into counseling to pick your schedule, they never put that out for the girls. It's like they're going to tell all the boys about automotive shop, auto shop, but they're not going to tell the girls. They need to start realizing that guys and girls can do the same stuff. Yep. So Harley Davidson is correct in trying to go towards that segment, Dr. Harley. Absolutely. I think it's a I think it's a brilliant move. I really do. 
let's go to uh, another topic of conversation where what is Harley Davidson's future and what do you think about how they went and redesign the Sportster, also called the Sportster X, uh, Dr. Harley? Did they go overboard? Was that something that was going to attract the younger uh, generation? I don't know if you, you can you guys see that on the screen. Yeah, yeah, I can. My yeah. my opinion of the Sportster S now, I I could see where they were going with it, but they missed the mark. Um, it is not the uh, Gen Z or millennial style bike. They were looking for that street bike, street fighter type of bike, uh, like the Bronx that they've been talking about. I think that would be a bigger hit over this. I think the RevMax motor um, is a good idea, and that's where it should have stopped because uh, they're having all sorts of problems with the RevMax and the Pan American and within uh, the Sports RS. Um, is it a long distance bike? In my opinion, no. But I have a friend of mine who took his bike in March from Lake George, New York to Daytona Beach, Florida for bike week. Wow. So it can be done. Now, do you do absolutely not. Do you think the concept, Dr. Harley, of marrying a, like the Buell design with a Sportster actually worked out here? No, I, I honestly think they missed the mark. I, I see what they're trying to do. But I think they missed their mark. I'm not a designer in any way. Um, I, I just think they missed the mark with with the RevMax engine. Well, no, what I what I've got to wonder is is what about customization? Like we're so into at least I from what I see from my generation of of kids is like everyone wants to customize their bike, and like with a bike like that, I don't see like an aftermarket craziness thing that you could do like what is there to do to that like that exhaust thing is handlebars you know that you got that exactly and so you're doing your exhaust your handlebars like That's people are going to want more customization than that and then paint forget that you know we want some customization that that right there to me is is kind of lame i so would never buy look, it let's look at it from your generational stance is that something, and I'll ask Chai Dow in a minute, is that something your generation wanted? And if it's not, why do you think that's what they gave you in a design? Um, I think that that's what they think we wanted. You know what I mean? I think that that was a good idea in their head at the moment. Do Does it actually, though, target us? No, it doesn't. Because we will look at those bikes and we'll be like, nah, that's ugly compared to, you know, even the older bikes, like the older bikes, I, I, I should do bunny quotes as in like a 2015, 2014, 2013, like these bikes that are only, you know, nine, 10, eight years old. Those have way more, you know, things that you can do to them way more, you know, there's a whole bunch of things you can do. Now you got that, that engine that's in there. You've got that it's water cooled. You've got a whole bunch of different stuff on there that I'm not even going to know how to even work on. You know, I have no idea how that thing works. And can any of us, even like my generation, we were just talking about this. Can my generation, if I can't even work on a normal V twin like that, what makes you think I can work on a rev max? Very well said. Now, China doll. Now yeah. they're Harley Davidson is targeting the woman now the what do you think about this bike if you were a woman is this targeted towards you no 
I'm going to be honest. When the picture first came up, the first thing I thought was the handlebars are garbage and so is the pipes. (laughs) 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 The handlebars are too low and the pipes are crap. Why are they up that high? I'm burning a leg. I don't. (laughs) Yep. Is, is is it that not, mix of... I like the blue, but that's about it. <laughs> but is it a mix of trying to make it like a cruiser and then a like, rocket? It looks to me like they're they're like trying to do a crotch rocket sportster mix here. And exactly. And it and they they screwed up mm-hmm. because yeah. the pipes are way too dang high. Mm. We got What are the sales <laughs> of that? bikes since it's come out you know like what are the sales compared to like the other bikes you know what i mean like like that's got to be such a small percentage of what they sold last year let's just say compared to like you know a normal let's just say uh, a normal street bob or whatever you know what i mean like it i think those are probably missing the mark a lot compared to maybe even just like the normal sportster well, what do you think, Dr. Harley, about the price point? They got it at thirteen five off the showroom floor. Well, you know, I did uh, a live was a comparison because everybody says Harley's priced themselves out uh, that there's a lot less or less expensive options out there for a new motorcycle. Well, I did a like for like comparison and, you know, and believe it or not, as far as the Sportster S goes, yes, it is priced out there for an entry level bike it really is uh but as far as their other bikes they're actually in between some or they're less or they're a little bit more so mm-hmm. they're really not priced too far out but as far as the sports rest is they're way out in left field as far as price goes um, yeah because the sportster was something that okay i'm just getting in the riding and it's gonna inter- introduce me to harley davidson its product and it's like everything with Harley Davidson. They it was like the live wire. They screwed that shit up real quick oh, uh, yeah. with the thirty thousand dollar price point. But the Sportster was supposed to be an entry level type of bike for six seven thousand dollars. Yeah, and it, it it really is like I said, priced way out there and mm. in the outer atmosphere for an entry level bike. Uh, you know, when you look at that bike for thirteen grand. Or you could get a uh, for a five hundred dollars more, get a soft tail standard, right? Which, yes. in my opinion, it's ten times the bike, and it has no technology like the Sports RS. You know, Sports RS. Believe it or not, you got GPS built in that in that thing. Um, I don't know if you've ever ridden one, Hollywood. I took a Sports RS out for a ride, and. As soon as I started it up, I shut it off because I thought something was broken. The motor. I said, "No, that's not." <laughs> You're like, right, "This doesn't sound right. I got to turn this off." You know. I got seven <laughs> miles into a 15 mile test ride, and I couldn't wait to get off this stupid thing. <laughs> well, I guess Hollywood, you're not going to test ride one of them, huh? Well, you know what? One bike I do want to test ride that got my attention, and we're going to bring that up right now, is I see Harley Davidson trying to turn in every damn direction that there is to try to hit that sweet spot of bringing somebody in. Uh, this one could, like China Dow said, be reminiscent of a crotch rocket married to a somewhat of a sportster. But this one right here, I really would like to uh, take a ride on, and that is the Pan America. And I truly believe that 
they are giving the African twin a run for its money in the outdoor sports category. What do you think, uh, Dr. Ellie? Well, actually, they are, believe it or not, leading in sales in that category of motorcycle that they are selling more Pan Americans than their competitors. Uh, I think it's priced just a little too high. But for mm-hmm. what you get, if you know the top of the line with the automatic height adjustment or rider seat adjustment and all that, I think it's a good bike. However, it's that RevMax motor, and I think it still has a lot of research and development needs to happen to make it right. Do you think that's a good uh, combination right there of an off-road and the RevMax engine, or do you think another engine should have went into that one? Um, definitely not an air-cooled motor because when you when you're riding off-road, you get chances of a lot of mud slinging up and get caught up in the cooling fins, and you can overheat the bike. So definitely a liquid-cooled motor w- is the way to go. But I think they had a lot more, had to do a lot more research and development um, before they released it because if they did, they would not have had the problems that they're having with them breaking down as much. Now, China Dow, when I was yeah. buying the CBO, the guy ahead of us yeah. actually was buying one of these. Yes, he was. And we both like this damn bike. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, tells you Harley might be on to something when a guy in my generation was like, yeah, dude, this bike rocks here. Yeah. Well, I like, I like the one that he bought because it, the, the paint, it was like a black. The mm-hmm. black one. Yeah. It was yeah. The black paint. And mm-hmm. like the paint on this one in the picture is kind of, that's sad. But what did you think about the design of the The design of it? And I love how the exhaust is on this one, how the pipe scoops up, makes it looks way more sporty. Mm -hmm. And it kind of fits in with like the crotch rocket look with how the pipes are. And the handlebars are a little bit higher. I probably would have tweaked them a little bit more. Just saying, just because every bike I've ever been around, they're a little higher than that. But. Cause I don't want to really be on a crotch rocket. I don't want the hunched over bad back kind of feeling. So mm-hmm. I'd probably raise those up a touch, but the way the back of it just kind of flows. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about engines. I'm good at maybe spark plugs and stuff, but other than that, I, I don't have a clue what Dr. Harley said. <laughs> <laughs> what but, do you, what, good knowledge. <laughs> what do you think, Mike? Is that something that was breaking into the off road? Uh, sector and Harley Davidson was right for doing that. Absolutely. They were a hundred percent right for it. Um, the one thing, the, the gripe that I've got is I'm a short dude compared to, yeah, it's got the rider adjustable, you know, thing on it. But the truth is, is those things are really tall and I'm really short and they well, like, are very like, top heavy. Like Toby just said though, uh, you know, if you're not at least 5'10", you'll be yes, challenged to mount, and I agree with that because I actually saw that. I was like, man, this guy's shorter than me. How the hell is he going to do That's that? That's me. I- I'm 5'7", and for me, I've actually sat on one, and I have to be like one weight, one leg on one side and one on the peg and to like actually hold it up. So because I'm I'm too small to put both my feet down on the ground at the same time. <laughs> then I'd really have issues because I'm only 5'4". <laughs> yeah, so it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm yeah, falling. It, but you can do it. You can do it. You can be, you know, five foot one doing it. It's just a matter of skill and of being able to, you know, do that over and over again and being used to it. Yeah. I'd be the one busting out the retractable stepladder. <laughs> yep. 
Do you there think is actually a, a writing technique that a lot of the uh, adventure riders practice, which is they'll stand next to the bike, get it rolling, and then hop up on it, having one foot on the peg. Yep, they'll have um, both and then hop over, right? Yeah. They'll be riding it. Yep. Now, that, that's something I'm not willing to try on my bikes. Mm-hmm. But on something like that, I'd be willing to try because it's designed for ruggedness. It's true. It's meant it's meant to drop a few times, you know, because yeah. you're gonna drop it. If you're gonna be uh doing adventure, you know, anything, you're gonna drop those in the in the dirt anyways. Yeah. But they're top heavy as it is. So you're definitely gonna feel it. If it starts going, you're probably gonna go with it. And if I, I want well, to road you, test it, I want to take it on a road and I want to take it on a trail. I want to take it in every mode that that bike is meant to be in. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think, Dr. Harley? This is kind of reminiscent of our era during uh, the AMF years where they were just throwing everything and anything out there to see if it sticks. Is that what they're doing with the adventure bike category? They're seeing if it sticks or are they going to move on to a different culture within the scene? I think they're moving on with a different culture because they're seeing a market share they didn't have. And for them to grow as a company, they needed to expand their market share, which would have been into the adventure writing. Mm-hmm. 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 Very well said right there. But you know what I'm talking about. They used to have golf carts and everything oh, yep. out there. Yep. But, I actually rebuilt the motor in a three-wheel Harley-Davidson go- golf cart. No shit. Yep. Well, let's wow. talk about three-wheel here. Uh, the, the trikes that they're throwing out there right now. And it looks like it's really catching on. Shit, China Dow wants a trike right now. Yes, I do. And <laughs> a lot of women are catching on that. But doesn't that say, well, wait a second. There's a, that proves a lot of people's point that a lot of riders are starting to age out when the trikes come up. Yeah, well, I, the, I like the RG3. When they first released it and I saw it on Harley Davidson's release, I was like, that side profile just doesn't look right. There's something off about it. But then when I saw it in person, man, that's a good looking bike. Um, I actually had a, a client who had the 2022 Apex Road Glide, walked into a dealership, saw the Road Glide 3, immediately traded his bike in on it. Wow. And he loves it. Um, it's a nice blue. Uh, the bikes handle great. I actually, my wife and I owned a freewheeler at one time, uh, because mm. that's what, and I, got, I got, the, and I got those up. You were talking about the freewheeler road glide three, and then you got the tri-glide ultra right now. Yep. The tri-glide ultra is historically the geezer glide. The know? geezer. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. when I can't stand upright and walk, that's what I'm going to have that or mm-hmm. a road glide three or a freewheeler. And, I, I, I tell you, the, the Rogue Light 3, the styling they did on that for 2023, to me, was a home run with the fairing, you know, the Rogue Light fairing with uh, the bigger wheels on the back. And it, it's just a, a home run for a design aspect of it. It's a better looking, it's sportier looking. Uh, it's even more sportier looking than the freewheeler. The only complaint no, I have is it's definitely beautiful. For sure. The, way the only set complaint up. I have is they don't have the 117 engine in it. Why not put your, your biggest production motor in a trike that has the most weight? It's got to move around. That's well, interesting. Well 
Very well said. Now, China Dow. Yes. You want a trike. Yeah. Personally, I wouldn't spend $40,000 for one. I'd put her on a spider, but. Uh, Ew, gross. Those are ugly. Shut up. No. <laughs> Those are weird. Out of these three that you're seeing right here. I'm going to go old fogey with that triglide. You like the triglide. Why know? is that? Because it's got the trunk. <laughs> I got to have some place to put my purse. <laughs> it's China the pizza Dow? box. The China pizza Dow? box. I can tell you. I could tell you from personal experience in a freewheeler, you could fit two 30 racks, two six packs, and three bags of ice in the trunk and still have room. Wow. <laughs> Damn. That's some room. There's no trunk on that one in the picture. There is. <laughs> yeah, yeah there it's, is there. it's there. It's, it's, it's there. Underneath. It's underneath. It's right behind the passenger seat. Yeah. No, for real? Yeah, you real. I think you open it and, it and it opens up. Yeah. It opens oh, up this way. Yeah. Because style-wise, I like the freewheeler. But there you go. I was looking at the other one because I could see the big trunk on the back. But if that Actually, one's got if that one's got a hidden trunk, my God, I really want that one now. And when you look at it from the back, they sell a bumper that you could put on it that it looks like an old 30s roadster with the dual exhaust coming out and a thin round chrome bumper. It is Mwah. Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Freewheeler. Yeah, not happening. Damn. Not happening. <laughs> okay, let's all pitch in. Do a GoFundMe for China for her birthday next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with them styles, Dr. Harley, and maybe somebody that is a little worried about riding on two wheels, I think Harley might have... Uh, hit the the bullseye on uh, these strikes that are coming out yeah I, I think they're amazing you know women would probably be more comfortable jumping on one of them than say a two-wheeler me if, personally since i've never you know i'll just crash a two-wheeler i'd prefer a three-wheeler well so that's, you, that's the thinking right there exactly it's well, like if you've never ridden a a three-wheeler have you ever ridden a snowmobile no okay it's i've ridden a riding I've, a snowmobile you i've ridden a with the bike before. you don't ridden lean a with a trike yeah no it's weird it's all handlebars and it wants to if you're in a left-hand turn it wants to throw you off to the left side i got it <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's weird the way it feels when you turn on those things. Yep. You know, you're you're gonna feel definitely weird. They actually have a safety course just for trikes. Wow, didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either, man. I it just learned something right Sign there. Sign me up. Yeah, no idea. Want get a rental? <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? You brought up snowmobiles, and Harley Davidson used to be in it. And their That's competitor, right. their competitor Polaris, they're actually the owners of Indian motorcycles, and they have the biggest company as far as uh, snow machines and stuff. Do you think uh, Indian under Polaris uh, ownership, Doctor Harley, uh, is gonna actually give the motor company a run for its money? Because I know a lot of people switching over to Indians. Well, you know. When you look at Indian as a whole, they've been a here today, gone tomorrow company. They've been bought and sold so many times. Um, you know, you can't get any, if you have a legacy Indian, let's say even 2004, right? 
a 19-year-old motorcycle, which is not that old when you talk about a motorcycle, you can't get parts for it, not even from the aftermarket community. I have a, a brother who has an 04 Indian, and he had a broken spoke in, in his rear wheel. And he's one of those people, re, just replace the wheel. I don't yeah. want any more problems. We looked high and low, and we even called the Indian dealerships. They're like, we can't get parts for that. We don't carry parts for that. That's not a Polaris Indian. We only require to carry Polaris Indian, but it's an Indian. doesn't matter. I was luckily I was able to find one spoke out of a pile of 300 miscellaneous spokes. That was an identical match. That's and I had to un unlace his wheel and hope nothing else broke to re replace that spoke and put a fresh new tire and tube on it. Well, so, that's one thing with India or with uh, Harley, uh, that you can count on at least there's parts for it even if yeah. they're old yeah and no and, matter where you go you, you can you can have somewhere to stop and have someone actually work on your bike let's say for the guys like me that don't work on their bike on the side of the road you can stop at any harley dealership in every town you know that you break down in how are yeah. you going to be if you're on an indian or a victory yeah. how is it going to be on those on those kind of rides you know you're going to have differences of being able to have people that can actually help you yeah you know that brings up good point of dealer network i mean mm -hmm. when you travel along any major interstate there's more harley davidson dealerships than you can count i mean when i go from connecticut to, to daytona florida i pass at least 30 to 40 harley davidson dealerships yep i think i've seen one maybe two indian dealerships and if even if you're going out west or anywhere in this country or around the world, if you're on your bike and it's a Harley Davidson, then you God forbid you have a problem or you need to get your bike serviced because you're on a long journey. You can go get your bike serviced at a dealership or a shop. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're on an Indian and you have a problem and if you're lucky enough that it's covered under warranty. You're going to have a hard time getting towed to the closest dealer. Well, I think they're not going to be 50 miles. They might be 200 miles. Well, I think you bring up an excellent point right there is the dealer network. And, the you know, I have to admit, I've never been in an in, uh, Indian dealership. But I know there is an experience when you walk into a Harley dealership, regardless of, you know, if you're an older guy like me making fun of the ups and all that stuff, besides that, you got to admit China doubt that they are pretty damn good. Uh, some of these uh, dealerships, some of them are, I mean, there's a few that I would never revisit, but I know, I mean, the one closest to us, I'll go there any day of the week, but then you go out to the Woodstock location. Yeah, no, I won't go back. It's there. a different attitude, but I'm talking generalities where, they have it's not you know i do love the old 90s harley davidson you know the shop thrown in the middle of a retail center you know it's only like three thousand square feet mm -hmm. but now they look like disneyland's in there mega land mega land you know mm -hmm. it's great for gearheads like me and dr harley and stuff we look around like yeah we get a you know a hard on looking around but there's that distinctive type of feeling when you walk into a dealership yeah, I mean, when I was coming up in my mechanical career, I worked for 
Bill's Harley Davidson in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is no longer around. Um, I was up at, I was working there when I was 17 years old as a, as a parts runner for the mechanics. And wow. then when I turned 18, because you can't be a mechanic in the state of Connecticut unless you're 18 years old, on my 18th birthday, I was gifted the lift and told to bring my tools in and get to work. You know, time to earn wow. my keep, as Bill said. But then you had maybe two or three different T-shirts for sale right behind the parts counter. Mm-hmm. And you might have had half a dozen new motorcycles in the showroom and they were already sold. And if you wanted a brand new Harley, you had to order it and wait for it to come in. Yeah, that was the start of 1994. I remember how hardcore that was. You couldn't get a damn new bike for anything. Now you walk in, you've got 88. You've got 300 bikes sitting in one sitting room. You know, you walk in, there's 300 brand new bikes, you know, and you're just going, wow, like all, all these motorcycles here. And I, and every time I go into a Harley dealer, I see all these brand new bikes. I go, are they even going to sell these things? Like- well, back in our day, those things were hard to come by, man. Uh, when it first started out in 88, like uh, Harley said, it got worse in 94. Mm-hmm. But like Jake said, when his wife walks into a Harley dealer, it has a better atmosphere than an Indian one, which was dead and quiet. Yep. Yeah. I no, walked I would... into an Indian dealership and the next state over in my state. And I could tell you, there were very few bikes, very few people willing to help you. You walk in, they're like, hey, <laughs> I was just looking around. Nobody care to acknowledge me or try to sell me anything. Mm. Do you think China now that uh, Harley hit the mark where it got its dealership involved with its clientele with throwing different events? Like oh, ours, Kegel, man, they, they throw everything over there. Yeah, it's every smart. Time, every time there's an event, they, the first person that they, like one of the guys that actually sold Hollywood, the last bike that he got, Shows up at my work and hands me event paperwork and says, can you get your old man to show up at this? (laughs) And I'm like, I'll give it to him. But it's like they have so many events like almost every other weekend. Even they try to even have events in the wintertime to keep the door, you know, keep everything flowing, you know, to keep people coming in. And their events actually are pretty spectacular. Yeah. Compared to an Indian dealer that don't have, that that, I don't think there's that connection with the motorcycle. The community aspect, you know, the, the that comes that, with Harley, that, you know, that's what you get with Harley really is that community as well. You're gain, you're, you're not just buying a, a motorcycle. You're really getting a community aspect out of it. Yeah. Now motorcycle is life, uh, Dr. Harley. Why do you think that some people feel the way he does where he says Harley needs to rebrand. Do you think Harley needs to rebrand itself? No, I don't think so. I think it needs to rediscover itself and rediscover who their core clients are and not have people staring the ship that really don't know the core their core clientele. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Harley-Davidson Financial? Now, a lot of people have a lot of issues and i just seen chasing ghosts put it up there 
as far as Harley Davidson financing its own motorcycle, which, you know, most cars do that, you know, car manufacturers like Ford, Chevy and all that. But I always thought, and this is the way I'm always going to think, if you enter into a contract, you agree to pay that contract. Mm-hmm. And Harley Davidson has a better atmosphere and it leads you to financing HDFS, insane interest, spend 50000 on a $20,000 soft tail after warranty. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. But didn't you enter into that? And you see a lot of more people getting into Harleys because of the HDFS. Uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Both my bikes are financed through uh, Harley-Davidson. Just because of the ease of, okay, here's the deposit, give me the VIN, let me go to my credit union, get the loan, come back. It's just so much easier to walk in, let them do the financing, do everything right then and there. Done. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as the new lease program Harley came out with, uh, I don't think they have their clientele best interest because you're limited to 5,000 miles a year uh, and you you can't modify it. And if you do, you you have to put it back to its original state when you picked it up and you turn it in. Mm-hmm. But and, what do you think about those that complain about Harley Davidson Financial? Is it Harley Davidson Financial's fault or is it theirs for going into a contract like that? And has Harley Davidson Financial made it easier to own a Harley? They, they definitely made it easier, but... You also got to watch the dealerships because it's legal for the dealerships to mark up the interest rate. So let's say you filled out the contract and Harley Davidson Financial come back, says, yes, you're approved at 6.5%, right? The finance guy does his, his thing, talks to the salesman. The salesman says, hey, awesome. We got you approved. We got you approved at that at 11%. Yep. Yep. And you, you sign that paperwork. Now the the difference between that six and a half and 11 half percent, that 5%, the dealership gets, that's how the dealerships make money. And to me, that is a stealership, not a dealership. I agree. Very well said right there. With with the financial aspect though, it's going to be hard though, because they're, they're predicting even just this next year that we're going to have the most amount of cars being repossessed that's ever happened. Um, And that's going to be, coming down very soon to motorcycles as well i mean motorcycles oh, it that's, already is because well that's it is it is because it we are a luxury uh item you know we're not like a one of those things so it's already hard it's already hard enough to get that approval on that loan it's actually harder to get approved on a loan for a motorcycle than it is for a car if right. people didn't know that you know uh motorcycles are going to get harder and harder to get in our current state you know, right now it's going to be harder and harder to finance. Do you think China Dell that mm-hmm. uh, the motor company should stick to just selling a product uh, like uh, 
you know, it's motorcycles or do you think they should get into the finance uh, business? Me personally, I like when you go into Harley and you can get it all done, done in a one-stop shop. So you agree that they should uh, stick with the finance option. Yeah, but, but I think, think everybody that... needs to read their contracts before they sign them. People, that's yeah. just it though, is people are not reading the fine lines and in, in, in between the lines and they're just grabbing the paper, signing it and handing it back. True. Look it over before you sign it. Yeah. And if you, you know what? Questions, question it before you sign it. And if, if, you know, you know, you got good credit and they come up and they come at you with 11 and a half or 15 or 20 percent hey let me see the bank offer right let's see the side by side because you, let's see you, the bank offer where the you bank can't just give me that interest? because right. if the bank's offer me you know six and a half percent to finance it and you're telling me it's eleven and a half percent why should i go with you to so you can mark up the interest rate and i could just and go to my it. credit union get that six and a half percent do you think that should be legal dr harley no, it shouldn't be, but it is. Do you Just think like it's legal uh, for any shop to mark up any part that they sell you two and a half times? So if that well, part is $100, they could charge you $250 legally. Do you think Harley Davidson should protect its clientele at that point and say, you know what, this is what we're offering through our finance. You, you're not going to mark it up. You're making us look bad. Because that's a big complaint a lot of people say is Harley Davidson Financial is a scam where they don't step back, like you said, uh, and say, well, wait a second. It was the dealership that marked it up this high. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, and, and that falls down to the buyer, not the, not Harley Davidson, you know, and the dealer's practice is a dealer's practice. And whether I agree with it or not, or I think it's uh, honorable or not, that's up for debate, but you know, it comes down to the person buying. If you sit there and says, Hey, look, I want to see the bank offer What did the bank actually offer. And then you sit down with the finance guy says, okay, you ran my credit. The bank approved it at this rate. Let me see it. Because there's I think a lot of people want that. Go ahead. Sorry. There's going to be paperwork that the bank sent, whether electronic, most likely electronically to the dealership. Hey, I want to see it. I think a lot the of the times they forget. I think they're forgetting a lot of the time when they're at the finance table and they're about to sign. It's either they're too excited or they forget that they're the actual buyer as well. You know, like for, don't forget that I'm the customer, you know, like and and sometimes it can feel like while you're in a, a dealership, a dealership, it can now feel like the roles have turned now all of a sudden, you know, they're the customer almost, you know, and, and that's that's kind of what you don't want happening. You want them to cater to you. Yeah, um, and make sure they're not bullying you around. And, sure. and by the time you get into the finance guy, you're in that honeymoon phase. You're already planning what rides you're going to do with this new motorcycle, what what you're going to modifications you're going to do this motorcycle. I mean, when I bought my CVO, my wife was talking about, hey, this is great. We'll take it to Laconia. We're going to take it down to Gettysburg and buy a nice brand new motorcycle. We're going to, you know, I'm going to be doing this, this, and this to it. We're in that honeymoon phase. And people don't think of, you know, they're not focused. They they're, they're sit there in la la land and they're just saying, okay, just get me on this bike so mm -hmm. I can fulfill these short-term dreams that I just had. And if you, you know what, China Dow, you were with me when I got the CVO, you yeah. weren't with me with my other bikes, no. but do you agree what he said? You were not, you know, you were already thinking, okay, where are we going to ride and all that type of I stuff? I was, yeah. Totally. 
I was. That's why he kicked me out of the room when he went in the finance office. <laughs> yep. Yep. You're not allowed to be here. No eyes looking. You can't be making he no literally, He literally kicked me out of the room because I'm sitting there going, well, can we take it to Tomahawk? We need to go here. We need to go here. We need to go here. And he's like, China, go pick out your free shirts and get out. And that, and I think that's, uh, I think that's a tactic of not only dealerships uh, with motorcycles, but with cars, is they want you distracted. Yes, absolutely. They want it's a science. You to, they, yeah, they. That's how the dealerships make their money is through all the markups, not off the sale of the vehicle. It's through the markups. It's through the upsells of the VIP service for the free oil changes. They're not yes. free, by the way, because uh, they they figured if you did two oil changes for that five years, they're still making money. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, the tires for life, the, you know, the t tire and wheel uh, protection. Okay. How many people actually use it? I mean, there's maybe three out of 10 people who bend a wheel or, you know, do something with their tires where they need to get a free tire. Well, true. you paid for that. Well, you that's just paid for that. That's just like when they, they add like all these other fees and stuff on there. And he, he, like, he was looking at it going, what the hell is this for? Mm -hmm. What, what is this charge? What is this for? What is this for? And he questioned a bunch of the different well, things. Well, you got to be, a, you got to be educated and Absolutely. educated going into that finance room. You're going to get a lot of them fees knocked off right away. Well, there's yeah. times I've seen those fees where they're like a thousand dollars for paperwork. What do you mean a thousand dollars for paperwork, dude? It's like you cannot problem. charge me that much for paperwork. There's no way that it's worth that much. You know, absolutely. There, there's all sorts oh, yeah, of weird charges now. Delivery fees and all that. And kind all of sorts stuff. of weird stuff that they sell you at the end as well. Like, oh, we'll do this. We'll do this. And, and there's all these things that you try to tack on. And that's where they really make their money. Yeah. Sure, well, like you were they saying. They try to do the delivery fees and all that. And it's like, dude, I don't need no delivery fee. I'm taking right. it here. Yeah, I'm, I'm accepting <laughs> it. <laughs> I don't need it delivered. I'm, I'm taking it off of your hands. You I know. Mean, so. Yeah. So they do, they do fees. And if you're not paying attention and you're distracted, that's why I'm a distraction. So I get kicked out because <laughs> I will distract him and he will not pay attention to what he's doing, but he's also knowledgeable on all the crap they're going to try and pull, yep. you know, and that's the biggest thing. If you're not paying attention and you're easily distracted, I'm sorry, ladies, but you got to leave the room <laughs> because I am a big distraction. I'm not going to lie. Because I'm like, well, where are you going to go? We're going to ride it when we get home. What are we going to do? <laughs> and well, let's, let's bring this back around to full circle, Dr. Harley. What is Harley Davidson's future? Well, I, I actually had conversations in Milwaukee at the 120th with people at Harley Davidson Corporate. As a consumer, as Dr. Harley YouTube and everything. And I said to him, look. You guys are about ready to miss the boat on the retro. Everybody is, all the manufacturers and automotive are doing retro vehicles. Now, if you did a limited retro run, and I'm not talking, you know, the icon collection or anything like that. Let's talk a true retro. Oh, if, if, if Harley came out for one year, let's say they did 2000 motorcycles as a flathead. 
you will sell out in a heartbeat. And then two years later, you do the knucklehead. Then two years after that, you do the pan head. Then two years after that, you do the shovel head. And two years after that, you do the Evo. But you take those motors with modern engineering and technology, you put it in the bike, and you could build a standard motorcycle. And I guarantee you, Harley would sell out so fast because pre-orders will be done before they even assemble the first one. And you will get you know, 40, 50 grand for that motorcycle because people who love Harley Davidson would love to have a, a true Harley Davidson knucklehead. Well, you so know what? spend 40 grand on a motor. I like douches. Exactly. And uh, I was just going to bring this up to mm -hmm. you, Dr. Uh, Harley. Uh, Douche just said, how did electric motorcycles not even come up in this discussion about the future yet? And what you're seeing right now, and this is just my opinion, even car makers are getting away from them. I think they're falling flat on their face because they're not, uh, you know, a logical step to go into electric and look at Livewire. What are your yeah. thoughts, Harley? Well, actually, Livewire is now its own company. It's no longer owned by Harley Davidson. They're a standalone company that's sold through only certain Harley Davidson dealerships. So. Mm -hmm. When you go look at a brand new live wire, it does not have the bar and shield or say Harley Davidson anywhere on it. It says live wire. And that happened last year. Damn. And, um, they are not selling like they hoped they would. Um, you know, that two years ago when that live wire caught fire in Daytona during bike week after the mechanic worked on it, I think that really put a big hit because that video went viral yeah. on the live wire uh, brand. Um, you know, and honestly, I've ridden a live wire and I got on, it had three quarters charged and it's telling me 75 miles remaining. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there at three quarters charge, simple math, 75 miles remaining. That means I get a hundred miles on a charge. Honored. That's it. If I ride, if I go for a ride, it's got to be at least a hundred miles in one direction, minimal. Right. How you expect me to only go fifty miles that way and then fifty miles back this way? I have to because I have to in order. I can't leave right. this vicinity. And these electric cars. I saw a guy get his Tesla towed to a, a, a rest stop on Interstate ninety five because it was dead. And he looked at me and says, yeah, look at all the money I'm saving on gas. I'm like, yeah, but it takes me two minutes to fill up my gas and go, man. You're going to be here for what? Eight hours? He goes, no, no, six. Mm -hmm. What do you think about, I don't think electric motorcycles are the future. I really don't. I don't. Uh, I like the, new, uh, the, the one comment. The uh, new generation want the old school bikes now. Well, I they do. They comment. want they want the that's and that that is the truth is like our guys want like definitely my generation in the Harley aspect. I do not think Harley will make way and moves with electric shit. That's just honestly. well, they already offloaded the live wire. But I think what old man zombie just hybrid. said uh, hybrids. What do you think about that? You think uh, that's in the future of it, uh, vehicles going forward? Cars, bikes. Trucks. It is. It is definitely going forward going to be something that's going to be utilized. Now, is it something that I want? No, I don't like the hybrid thought. I don't really like 
using both electric and uh, you know machine gas at the same time or whatever, and or saving and doing all that. I don't need to do that. Uh, for me, I, I'm totally fine just riding my normal, whether it be a, a V twin or or be an Evo or something like that. Like I'd way rather have something like that than have something that's electric. I think they should look at alternative fuels. Whether they go into a biofuel, they go into an E85. Uh, automotive manufacturers are looking back into the hydrogen cars again. Yep. Um, you know, alternate fuels might be the way to go. I mean, propane. I mean, how, how many city buses are running on propane? You exactly. could run a city bus on propane. You could definitely run a motorcycle. How would that affect, though, Harley-Davidson as far as guy? Do you think our generation has to grow out of it and then that concept pushed on to Mike's generation because they're more accepting of alternatives? Well, I think it'd be all of attrition. I mean, by the time that technology really comes to play, our generation will be either gone or close to being gone, and Mike's generation will be you know, our age, if not maybe a little older. Mm -hmm. So the generation behind Mike would actually accept it and run with it and, and do what they have to do. But I think they really need to start looking at it and developing that technology because it just doesn't happen overnight. It's true. What do you think, Johnny? You think it'd be a culture shock to have a Harley, you pull up right now to a gas pump, you get a good American uh, Saudi bought oil, or you go in and get something like propane or, and I like the propane ideal, but this electric stuff, I don't like, do you think that would change uh, the culture of uh, Harley Davidson? I think it would definitely change the culture. I think they'd sell less bikes. And is it because it's built on an image, Mike, or what? I think so. Yeah, because a lot of us that are riding these at the at this age, we had um, like an just kind of like how you guys grow up in a certain time era, and you guys are like remembering certain things. We do too. And so for me, I the thought of having like a, a sewing machine of a motorcycle that is like you know like to me that that doesn't do anything for me like the kids nowadays my age they actually want like some power they, they these kids actually want loud pipes they don't they're not sitting here wanting the the biodiesel and they're not wanting hydrogen and stuff like that these these kids are wanting to like get out there and rip rip wheelies and stuff on them Right. Yeah, but you know what? I have to agree with Dr. Harley, man. You get you come up with something like a propane and the cost effectiveness, you Maybe. know, it's really there instead of uh, you know, what do you get in 60 miles a gallon if you're good? Uh on I I just like Well, why do you think hydrogen came out, right? Hydrogen came out and did the same thing, and I'm the first one that can attest about hydrogen products as I actually own a hydrogen product that out of the the five kilograms that you can fill it up you know it goes by weight not by uh you know the amount like gallon it goes by weight of mass so when you're filling it up at five kilograms at 36 dollars uh, a kilogram you know you're spending you know 166 to 200 dollars per fill up and that technology and it's it's beautiful technology but 
it only gets you 240 miles if you drive it like a granny. But realistically, you're only getting 180 miles per tank because you're the way that you drive normally. Well, I saw somebody bring up in the comments. I mean, people aren't even thinking like for the electric bikes. Are you even thinking what about traffic? What if you're in bumper to bumper traffic? How are you going to get from point A to point B if you're stuck in traffic? Like if you're driving it in Chicago or you're driving it in one of the big cities, how are you going to get from point A to point B without your shit dying? Right over here, right over here in Cali, we just lane split. See you guys. Yeah, well, that's not uh, logical where we're at. I know, I know. For the rest of the country isn't. Speaking of California with California logic, um, <laughs> earlier this yeah, yeah, summer, the eye roll there. The the summer they they announced by 2035, no more new gasoline vehicles will be sold. Only electric vehicles will be sold. And then a week later, they're telling everybody not to charge their cars or turn up their AC because the grid can't hold it. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is it? You can't, you can't have, make it up. You you can't have both guys, and, and you can't make that up. That is. A true statement that came out of California. Um, yep. And they I'm, keep pushing it back too. They keep like, I know that they were trying to do that earlier and they had it, I think set for t- either 2025 or 2030 or something like that. I can't remember, but I do know that they keep pushing that stuff back, you know, because I don't think it's realistic. I think Dr. Harley, uh, Harley Davidson learned this lesson. That's why they offloaded live wire and only kept uh, a major interest in the stock. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I think if they really develop that technology where you can get further distance out of a charge, out of a smaller battery, I mean, they, they, they would be a better option. I mean, they just started. I mean, electric cars have been around for, what, at least 10 years now? And mm. now they finally have a way to recycle these batteries. Just now. The yeah. lithium ion batteries that have been in all of our power tools and flashlights and everything for 20 years. Now they have a way to recycle them instead of filling a landfill. Yep. They were right. doing more harm than, than the petroleum products. But yep. So final question here. We've been going about an hour and a half here. Yep. 30 years from now. What's Harley's future, Mike? Mm. I really I really see Harley going backwards. That's how I see it. Is is they're gonna go more of the retro stuff that way. Like they're they're gonna go and stick more towards what the original American style was. That's how I see it. Now, of course, are they gonna try to innovate? Are they gonna try to do all that stuff? Yes, I do really think that that's what they're gonna do, but I see it as a real uh, being a realist. I see it not really being marketable, being either a hybrid or being electric. I really don't see any of us buying any of that. I don't see myself buying that. Um, I don't really see anybody in the chat buying any of that kind of stuff. So I don't really know what where we're going to be. It's it's kind of a confusing thing to answer. But in my honest opinion, I think it's going to be all fuel. Just still going to be fossil fuels. 30 years Do you now. think uh, China down in 30 years, Harley's going to stick with its core base, which is your middle-aged riders, and that's best where they should stick? Mm, I really would hope that Harley would target those younger than Mikey. That'd be and smart. Get, 
and get that younger generation out on those bikes. And they knew they, I personally think because I love the bikes that we have. Don't get me wrong. I love the baggers. I love the, I love that kind of stuff. But at the same time, those old school bikes, like all the pan heads and all, Oh my God, those bikes are gorgeous. They need to bring back the old school. Cause I think the old school is going to attract the younger generation. I got 30 years. 30 years from now, Dr. Harley. Well, 30 years from now, hopefully I'm still on two wheels. Let's put it that way. I'll be 83. There's a lot that are 100 still riding. I know, but, you know, 25 years in the military ages you quicker. So, oh, yeah. So I'm hoping I'm still on two. If not, I'm definitely on three. And it will be a trike, a, a real trike, not a, you know, an, an abomination snowmobile kind of trike. It'd be a real trike, um, old Volkswagen or a three. VW. Yeah, yeah I, I'd take one of those, but you know, a freewheeler or a Roguelite three, something like that, absolutely. Or an old VW trike, absolutely. Thirty years from now, but Stretch as far as end. Harley goes, I'm hoping um, thirty years from now, Harley Davidson is celebrating their hundred and fifty hundred and fiftieth anniversary. I hope that. Um, they steer the, the Harley Davidson ship in the right direction to keep them around that long, whether, you know, they'll, they'll become a motor clothes company instead of a motor company. Um, so I think that with Harley Davidson, I hope that they will be around and hopefully they make the right decisions that they stay around. I mean, people like Willie G, I mean, God bless him. Man's in his eighties. He's not going to be around to sit there and, and look at him and says, what are you doing? You're stupid. True. Mm -hmm. Hey, Hollywood, what about you? I'm like Dr. Harley. I hope they're going to be around. It's the only bike I really, you know, I've had all kinds of bikes, all makes and models of bikes, but Harley Davidson always been in my blood and I hope they uh, make it to their 150. It's just going to take a lot of innovation with the younger ones to keep ahead of the curve. Because if they don't, they're going to end up on their asses and out of business like Indian was 50 times. Uh, Chasing Ghost, if you want a good technical info on building electric bikes, watch his interview with Full Metal Corgi. It's titled, He Built an Electric Bike at Dr. Harley. And we got a, you know, Dr. Harley has his own YouTube channel. That's right. So you, you all got to go out there, look at it. Uh, there's a lot of good, uh, Harley Davidson channels out there. A lot of good technical ones that you can get your information from and have these. And he is one of them. He is one of them down there. So Dr. Harley is the man to, to check out for parts and all the mechanical work and stuff. He's very, very, uh, intelligent in that aspect. Exactly. So, uh, get into these other creators, if you will. I know on Insane Throttle, we're doing just totally different stuff now than what we're, uh, you guys might be used to. I find this more enjoyable. I find it actually, this is what everybody likes talking about is their motorcycles after all. But, uh, what do you guys think? Put it in all the channels, comment sections about what do you think Harley Davidson's future is? I like to uh, say thanks having uh, Dr. Harley on uh, the show and stuff. Uh, we'll be looking forward to having him on more. 
China Dow as well as, you know, she did awesome for the 50th birthday today and stuff. And Mike, as always, getting the kick-ass guest, man. Always getting the kick-ass guest. But uh, that's the show for today. Motorcycle Madhouse will be uh, tomorrow. You to catch it out at the Morning Madhouse at uh, 8.15 Central Standard Time. And uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks, the panel. You guys rocked, man. You really did. And that's it for a Motorcycle Madhouse Morning Mayhem. Don't forget to visit us on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and all major podcast platforms for all the replays of Motorcycle Madhouse.